Well, this is week two of our series that we're calling Planted, and we're looking at a passage of Scripture in Psalm chapter 92. It's kind of our theme verse, and I want to read that as we begin our time together again. This is Psalm chapter 92, starting in verse number 12. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, that will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Let me read verse 13 for us one final time. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And our desire at Synergy is that those who call Synergy home and those in this community that haven't even met Christ yet would flourish would enjoy the blessings and the benefits of following God, but understanding that in order to flourish, we've got to be planted. Planted leads to flourish. Planted leads to flourish. And so we're taking a few weeks to focus our energy and efforts on what it looks like to be planted together. So if you're a guest with us today, uh, please know that you'll hear some of the heart of our church, and we hope that it helps you understand a little more of who we are. Um, And if you've been with us for a while, then hopefully today will be helpful for you also. I don't know if you heard this week um, about the, the man who was found. He had been Uh, abandoned on an island by himself. And uh, for 18 months, uh, this man survived on this island by himself. He was found out in the Pacific on a very small island. And uh, the the rescuers, uh, when they found this man, were astonished at how he had kind of developed his surroundings there. He had actually built three buildings and um, they began to ask him, what, what are these three buildings that you've built? These huts would be a more appropriate term. And he said, well, the middle one there, he said, that's my home. That's where I live. Spend my evenings there. That's, that's kind of my place where I go, and, and that's, that's where I live. And they said, well, what about the building on the left? And he said, well, that's my church. That's where I go to worship. I, I actually go there more than just on Sundays because I've got plenty of time. I, I go and, and that's where I worship the Lord. And they said, well, well, what is the building on the right? And he said, well, that's my old church. I don't go there anymore. <laughs> you know, having grown up in the church and spending my whole life in the church, I'm convinced that there are some people uh, who actually thrive more on leaving churches than they actually do on staying in churches. And what I want us to focus on today is the truth and the reality that when we get planted in the house of the Lord, it leads to being uh, blessed, it leads to flourishing, and it leads to becoming who God wants you to become. And being planted is more about moving from church being something that you get to church being something that you are. That when you become planted in a local church, it becomes part of your DNA. It becomes part of your life. It becomes part of who you are. And it leads to greater things that God has for you. And so many times in our consumeristic culture, we base our attendance on churches, on who's speaking at a given time or who's leading worship at a given time or a style of music or dress code or lots of different things dictate where we attend church because we live in a consumeristic world. But those who get the most out of church, I'm convinced, are those who put the most into church. 
That if you simply attend a church, it doesn't mean that you're planted in that church. In fact, I've known people who have attended church for years and years and years and have gotten not much out of that church because they haven't really put much into the church. These are the people who typically find what's wrong with churches and they love to point it out sometimes, but these aren't the people who have invested their lives into a church. And I want to just encourage you to be a person who invests your life in a church because I pastor Synergy Church. I'm kind of partial and would love for you to invest your life into our church. But if Synergy Church is not a fit for you, if it's not the best choice for your family, if it's not a place where you feel like you can invest your life, then please, by all means, find you a church that you can invest in, that you can dig roots, that you can dig deep and, and, and develop relationships and have uh, friendships that are lasting and your faith will grow because it's the most important decision that we as followers of Christ, if that's who we claim to be, can make outside of actually following Christ. Now, I want to today give you a template. I want to give you a template of what it looks like to be planted in the church. And I say template because we're going to look at a scripture this morning that's not specifically uh, written for the purposes that we're going to use it today. And some people would say, well, you shouldn't use it then. But I believe that we can find patterns and principles in Scripture that we can apply to areas of life. And so I want to be up front with you today and tell you the intended meaning of actually a parable that Jesus told his followers and disciples and crowds uh, to illustrate what the kingdom of God looked like. But I want it to be a template for us because I truly believe that a lot of times we try to recreate things that have already been created. And most times it's easier for us to find patterns. It's easier for us to find templates that we can apply to our lives to help us move in the right direction rather than simply trying to recreate something that's already been created. If you've ever had to create more than one of something, you know the value of a template. You know that it's important if you're going to write documents for a living to have a template where you can go in and make minor tweaks and changes without having to create a document every time you want to write a document. Because if you're a person who writes lots of documents, that's a lot of wasted time and energy and effort writing something that's already been written before. And so I want us to look at a template uh, for what it means to follow in the footsteps of someone who's been planted in the house of the Lord. So go with me to Mark chapter number four. We're going to read three verses starting in verse number 30. This is a parable that Jesus is using. A parable was a story that Jesus would tell that would uh, illustrate a principle. Uh, it was a story that, that he would tell to teach a truth. Uh, Jesus loved to take theological ideas and put them into everyday language. And so we can learn from this parable in Mark chapter number four. Verse number 30. Again, he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? So he's going to give us a parable. He's going to share a story that's going to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like. Because remember, he's, he's living in a day and age where people haven't experienced the kingdom of God yet. He doesn't have the benefit of Holy Scripture to, to read and learn and, and hear taught. Uh, this is Jesus breaking onto the scene, and he's illustrating and telling them and teaching them what the kingdom of God is like. Verse number 31, he says, It is like a mustard seed 
which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. He says the kingdom of God is something that starts small, but it grows and becomes uh, a quickly um, large blooming plant, tree, that not only serves a purpose for itself, but reaches out to others and provides shade for birds and such. He's illustrating what the kingdom of God is like, but I want us to lay this parable as a template over our lives and help see ourselves for who we are and understand what it looks like to be planted in the house of the Lord. Let me start again in verse number 31. The kingdom of God or, or being planted in the house of the Lord is it's like a mustard seed. Now here's what he says about the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds on earth. I don't know if that can still be proven today that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds on earth, but I do know that mustard seeds are extremely small, and compared to other seeds, they are seemingly insignificant. And many times in our lives, we allow ourselves to become the center of our life, and we tend to see ourselves as bigger than we really are. I don't know if you've ever been guilty of this. Uh, my guess is that you have, but I know many times that I can recall in my own life where I thought that I was bigger than I really was. And there are many moments in my life where I was humbled or uh, I was ashamed of myself for allowing myself to view myself in a light that wasn't really true. So many times we see ourselves as the center of our world and everything exists for us, but we're really like a small mustard seed. We're really, there's not much to notice about us when it comes to what we bring to the table to offer God. I mean, think about it. There are lots of talented musicians and lots of talented singers. There's really smart people who can quote entire books of the Bible. There are people who have walked with Jesus for years and years, and it would be easy for us to think that God is honored to have us on his side. Right? I do so much for God that I'm sure I'm on his like A list. That when he's got his little Rolodex up there and he's like, Who do I want to bless? Like, he's pulling my name up first because of all that I've done for him. And we tend to have these thoughts that like we are bigger than we really are. The truth is the matter is compared to God, compared to his righteousness, and in the grand scope of the entire church worldwide, we as individuals are very insignificant in comparison to the great scheme of things. Especially before we come to Christ, we don't have anything to offer. In our own strength, in our own talents, in our own abilities, we are seemingly useless to the church. I mean, what's a little mustard seed? I mean, surely if you take this little mustard seed that you can't even really see, that would be easy to look past if you're trying to find a seed, uh, what is this seed even useful for? And rather than seeing ourselves for all that we are, we need to allow this template to show us and teach us that God is all that there is. And compared to him, we don't have a lot to offer. This is important for us to, 
to grasp and to understand. And you think, well, well, each person has something to offer and each person is valuable and each person is important. And yes, that's true. But I'm talking about when you look at your life and all that God has in store for you, that before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, he had great plans for you. When you come into this world, you haven't realized the great plans that God has for you. And they don't just happen, but rather they start as a little seed. And it's almost as if we are nothing when it comes to being useful to God. I mean, surely of all the billions of people in the world, God could have found anyone much more qualified than me to start this church. I guarantee you could have found someone more talented. I guarantee you he could have found someone smarter. I can guarantee you that I am never the smartest person in any room that I preach in. Yet God has allowed me to be just a small seed in his plan. And he wants you to understand that there's significance in being a seed, but it's important to know that a seed starts small. And though God may have huge plans for you, you have to see yourself for who you are in order for God to be able to use you. I mean, think about the people that God's used most in this world. I mean, pastors who preach to thousands of people. I think of people like Mother Teresa, who has had a worldwide impact. I think of people like Billy Graham, who has seen literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ because of him. But he wasn't always used by God the way that he was. His life started out as a seed, and Mother Teresa's life started out as a seed, and there was huge potential inside of all of them and all of us. But in order for God to use them to accomplish great things, they had to be humble, and they had to realize that without God, they didn't have much to offer. But God could take their little seed. He could take their little abilities, their little talents, their little knowledge, their little willingness, and he could use it to accomplish great things for him. I want to encourage you when you look in the mirror to see yourself as someone who has great potential. But don't see yourself as someone who possesses everything that you need to be successful. Because on your own and in your own strength, you will fail. And you will find yourself humbled if you don't choose to humble yourself. So the first step for us to stay planted in the house of God is to see ourselves as seeds. Seeds that have potential. Now, we're talking specifically about a mustard seed here, but I love that in the church, and when I say church, I mean the body of Christ, that we all don't look alike. And we're not all mustard seeds. And God doesn't want us all to do the exact same things. And so he's gifted us all differently. And he's called us all to different callings. And he's given us all different purposes. And whatever our seed may be and whatever calling God has on our life and whatever purpose our life is to serve, we can discover it by seeing ourselves for who we are. He goes on to say, it's the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, yet when planted, you know, a seed is useless if it's not planted. A seed could have all the potential in the world, but if it's not planted, 
It will never germinate. It will never sprout. It will never begin to grow. It will never be nourished. It will never become what it was intended to become. It will only be a seed. I could give you a seed today, and I could give you a mason jar, and we could uh, seal that mason jar, and that seed, 50 years from now, would still be a seed. It's not going to grow. It's not going to become something different until it's planted. And here's what I know about being planted, is you can't be sort of planted, and you can't be halfway planted, and you can't be kind of planted. But we live in a world where we like to feel as if we're in control, that we like to feel like we can dictate our surroundings and everything that happens in our life, and and we can control the consequences of our decisions, and we like to control the environments that we live in. But a seed will never become anything other than a seed unless it is fully planted, unless it's all in, so to speak unless it's buried in the earth, unless it's consumed by its surroundings. And being planted in the house of the Lord is no different. So many times we want to be like sort of planted. There's things about being planted in the house of the Lord that we really like. There's some benefits, there's some relationships, there's some things that we get. But then there's, there's other parts of being planted that, that aren't honestly so attractive That sometimes the process to becoming all God wants us to be isn't so attractive. And sometimes we kind of like to say, well, I'll kind of sort of plant this part of my life, but but I always want to kind of be able to come out here and control it if anything goes wrong. I mean, when it rains really hard and the earth gets really saturated, saturated, man, that's kind of, you know, it's uncomfortable for me. And so I want to be able to kind of pop out and find some sunshine and just enjoy my life as a seed. But if you want to flourish in the courts of God, you've got to be willing to plant yourself. You've got to allow yourself to be planted in the house of the Lord so that God can make you into who he wants you to be. We flourish most when we're planted fully. And I find so many people who honestly treat churches like they do friendships or dating relationships. And when everything's going smoothly and they love how things are going, then they can be best friends in the world. But, but let someone say something they shouldn't say or do something they shouldn't do, and we're just going to, yeah, I'm not talking to you anymore. Things aren't the way they used to be. I'm actually becoming something different, and that doesn't feel as safe and comfortable as I once was. And so I want to kind of withdraw myself from that process. And this is so unfortunate. When I was praying about starting this church, I met with an incredibly wise leader, someone I had a great admiration for, and I just was asking him for advice. I mean, here's, here's what I'm praying about, here's what I'm thinking about. And he said, Bronson, the most successful people in life are those who figure out what they're supposed to do early in life, and they do it for a really long time. They stick with it. They commit themselves to something. They don't keep bouncing around from place to place or from thing to thing, trying to find the trendiest or, or the most uh, alluring option that they can. They figure out, what am I called to do? What's my purpose? And I'm going to commit myself to it. And I'm going to stay focused on that and allow God to make it flourish over time. But we want like the overnight sensation things, Right? We want to like, well, well, I'll be planted if I can become a tree tomorrow. Like, who wouldn't want to be a tree when they're only a seed? 
But a tree, a seed doesn't become a tree overnight. And we like figuring out how we can get our greatest return on things. And so we like to be in control. I do encourage people when they're searching for a church home to be led by God's Spirit and find a place that you feel called to be a part of. In fact, I would say when you're searching for a church home, the dating analogy is a great analogy. That you should date a church before you marry a church. Just like you should date a man or a woman before you marry a man or a woman. Can you imagine seeing someone for the first time and being like, oh, you're so beautiful. Will you marry me? This is going to be the best life ever. And then you're like, we don't even speak the same language, so this is going to be weird. We're completely different. This is weird. And so many people, like, they come to a church and they're like, oh, that's awesome, that's great. And they never meet people. They never ask questions. They never investigate things. They never find the heart of the church. They're simply, uh, on the surface level, it looks great. And they're like, I'm going to call this my church home. They still aren't really planted. And then as they learn more about the church, they're like, wait, I really don't even like this church. So I'm going to start looking for another church. And they've wasted these months or sometimes years staying at a church that they're not ultimately going to marry. Now, if you're in the dating process, and I were to tell you right now, you're not going to date, you're not going to marry the person you're dating. If you decided to date them for five more years, knowing that you're never going to marry them, but wanting, desiring, hoping to be married one day, I would call you foolish. I would say for you to invest months and years of your life dating someone that I can guarantee you're not going to marry would be foolish. And in the same way, I would say for you to stick around at a church that you're not planted in, knowing that's not going to be the place that God's called you to, would be foolish. Would be foolish. So when you're searching for a church, when you're looking for a place to invest, you need to be asking yourself, is this something that I can give my life to? Do I feel comfortable investing with these people? Do I believe in the heart and the vision of the church? Do I, am I confident that these people are people that I can spend my life with? Because here's one thing I can guarantee you about every church. There are people in every church And seeing as how people are not perfect, there will come a time where something will happen in the church that you attend that you don't like. And if something you don't like dictates where you go to church, you're going to be changing churches a lot. And I want for you to flourish in the courts of God. That only happens by being planted in the house of the Lord. Find yourself a local church. Find yourself a place that you can give yourself to and then get planted. Because remember, you're only a seed and your greatest value comes after being planted, not before. I don't want you to live life as a seed when God has greater things for you. So I want to encourage you to be planted. The mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, Yet when planted, it grows. It grows. I've met people who for decades have called themselves Christians, who for decades have attended churches and would 
honestly admit that I haven't grown much in my faith in the decades that I've attended church. It's one of the greatest tragedies in the body of Christ today is that people aren't planted. And until you're planted, it's going to be hard for you to grow. But growing is God's plan for all of us. Listen, healthy things grow. If something's not growing, it's not healthy. Everything that's healthy grows in some aspect, in some regard. Healthy things grow. And if you're going to grow, you've got to be planted so that God can use your surroundings. He can use the soils in your life. He can use the rains in your life. He can use the sun in your life to produce in you something greater than yourself so that you can flourish That no matter what season comes or what storms come your way, a seed can be tossed and blown. But when something is planted and it begins to grow, it develops roots and it begins to prosper no matter what the conditions look like. It grows. How's your life measure in the area of growth? I ask myself this from time to time. Last year, this time, do I feel like I've grown closer to the Lord? Have I matured more in the Lord than I have this time last year? And if the answer to that question is no, then I've got to look at my surroundings. I've got to look at, am I truly planted? Am I allowing God to do in me what he wants to do in me? Now, let's be real. Some people aren't concerned so much about growing. Some people have heard That if you don't know Jesus Christ on the day you die or on the judgment day when God comes back, then you go to a place called hell, and that doesn't sound very attractive. And so some people are just like, uh, yeah, sign me up for the heaven plan. What is there a prayer I pray? What's what's that look like? Because I want that as opposed to the alternative. And then they're content. They're like, whew, I can rest easy. I can lay my head on a pillow at night and have peace because I know if something happens to me, I'm going to heaven. And Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. Not that you can escape death. That you may have life and you may have it to the full. We walk through this life in our own strength and our own abilities and we face obstacles on our own and God is making available to us his grace and his mercies and his spirit so that we can navigate this life to its full and experience all that he has for us on the earth. That's why the prayer that he led to teach his disciples to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience God's best. But he's got great things in store for us here, but we've got to grow We've got to commit our lives to, to, to advancing in our faith, to maturing in our faith, to allowing ourselves to move past the elementary things of following Christ. We can't stay babies forever. But unlike babies, we don't grow automatically. Unlike infants who, given the right nourishment, will grow on their own, we have to invest our lives and allow God to do in us and through us what he wants to do. A mustard seed, smallest of all seeds in the garden, yet when planted, it grows. I want to grow. I hope that you want to grow. It's important for you to be 
planted. It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. It becomes something that it once wasn't. What once was the smallest seed has now become the largest tree, the largest plant in the garden. That among the other seeds, this particular seed grows extremely large in comparison to where it started. And here's the great news for your life and for my life, is God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, and he wants us to become something that we once weren't. That once we could have all said, I am insignificant, I have nothing to offer, but God can take that and he can make it grow and it will become something that will accomplish incredible things for the kingdom of God. Your life is not insignificant, though you don't have much to offer, because God loves to take things that don't have much to offer and use them for incredible feats for his glory. The scripture is full of people. The 12 disciples were not the most religious. They weren't the most mature. They weren't the the best examples of what it looks like to be a Christ follower, but he found a, a handful of men that didn't have much to offer, and they literally changed the world. They literally turned the world upside down. It's because they became something. What are you becoming? What is your ambition in life? You want to be the, the youngest millionaire you, in your family? Do you want to be the first person to finish college? Do you want to be uh, the owner of a certain type of house? Or do you want to become what God has purposed you to become? And sometimes they're different. Sometimes becoming what God has for you doesn't look like what our dreams for our life might look like. But there is no greater joy in the world than experiencing your life being molded and made into what God designed and fashioned it to become. Listen, if you, if you look back over your life and you remember who you once were and you can see yourself as having been transformed and changed, then you understand the importance of seeing God help you become something that you weren't. I am not who I am today because of what I've put into this life. I am who I am today because of what God has helped me become. But like I shared with you last week, for me, it was between my ninth and 10th grade years of high school that I actually made a conscious decision to plant myself in a local church. And it was through that process that God began to make me become who he's called me to become. I grew. I started out completely insignificant, having nothing to offer. And I still would say I have very little to offer. But God has somehow used me to do things that I would never be able to do on my own. And the same is true for your life. When a seed is planted, it grows and it becomes something larger than it once was. And here's the, here's the greatest part of this that I love. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Your life 
matters to those around you. You have something to offer them that they may not receive if you don't make a decision to allow yourself to be planted. That by being planted and beginning to grow and becoming something larger than you once were, you now offer people in your life, those people in your family, those people that you work with, those sphere of influence and and friends and colleagues and teammates and, and fellow students, they have something that they can receive from you because you made a decision to be planted. And this mustard tree, this bush, offered shade to birds where they would perch in its branches and to think it was only once an insignificant seed. Now it's offering shade to birds. One of my greatest motivations in life is understanding that my life isn't just about me. The decisions that I make, the consequences to my choices, they don't just affect me, they affect those close to me. But there's potential that my life could impact people well beyond who I would naturally be able to impact. And rather than fighting for impact, we simply have to allow ourselves to be planted and trust that God will help us grow. And he will help us become who he's called us to become. And who we become offers something significant to those around. Specifically, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You becoming who God wants you to become starts with being planted. And you being planted leads to an impact well beyond yourself. And if you're not planted, not only are you missing out on becoming who God wants you to become, but you're missing out on the joy of impacting those around you. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk specifically what it looks like to be planted. And I'm going to allow you to understand some things that we do here at Synergy that will help you become planted that are significant in life. But I believe that it starts with a choice. Am I going to live my life as a seed and be proud of my seed? Man, this is a good-looking seed right here. Hey, look at this seed. Uh Uh-huh, I got potential. Or are you going to allow yourself to get dirty? Are you going to allow yourself to get planted? Are you going to allow yourself to receive something that's well beyond yourself? Because when you go all in and when you commit to the house of the Lord... You begin to grow, and you become something much bigger than yourself, and you impact people outside of yourself. And what's crazy to think about is if we have a group of people who are all growing and becoming something bigger than themselves, then our impact on this community and this world is exponential. And God can do unimaginable things because a group of people decided to be planted. Now, does God call people to leave one church and go to another? Absolutely. If you've ever left a church, and, and I would imagine since our church is only three and a half years old, that at some point you have left a church unless you have no history with church. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you've missed the mark. But starting now, find that church and get planted. 
pray and ask God, is this where you want me to invest my life because I'm willing to get vulnerable and dirty to invest myself with a group of people that has a childlike faith to believe that you can accomplish great things through us. And our focus here at Synergy is to make Christ known in the lives of people far from God. This church doesn't exist so that we all can circle up and just say, oh, you've been doing so good. Man, you're such a good Christian. I'm so proud of you. You know, you didn't cuss at all this week. That's great. That's great. I know last week you struggled a couple of times, but you didn't cuss this week. That's great. That's great. It's to say, man, there's people in this community who are literally going to die and spend eternity separated from the creator of this universe. If a group of men and women and students don't step up and say, we'll be who you want us to be so that they can receive what they need to receive. And we'll always be that church that's focused on those outside the doors. We'll always be that church that has a heart of compassion for the lost. We'll always be that church that accepts people for who they are because we know that who we once were wasn't worthy of God and his church. But he can transform us. He can give us new life and make us new creations if we'll simply plant ourselves in that church. And as we commit together, we're going to continue to see God do some incredible, incredible things. Let me pray for us. Lord, this is your church. And I pray for everyone who's planted in this church of the men, the women, the students that I know of who have become something bigger than they once were because of this specific church. How you're changing our lives, how we're growing and becoming something that we once were not because of your power and your strength in us. I pray for for every person that's hearing my voice right now who is not planted in the house of the Lord, who's not planted in the local church, who thinks that they don't need organized church so that they can be who you want them to be, to understand the importance of being planted. That unless you're planted, you don't grow. And unless you grow, you don't become. And unless you become, you aren't offering to this world everything that it needs from us. I pray that you would speak to hearts even now, that those who are investigating Synergy Church, those who have visited Synergy Church, you would speak clearly to them as to whether they're to plant themselves in this specific church. I pray for everyone who has committed themselves to be planted in this local church and Synergy Church, Lord, that their lives would flourish like Psalm 92 promises us. That planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And I pray that everyone would experience a life to the full. That we would experience becoming something so much bigger than ourselves because of your transforming power in our lives. And may we be a people committed to seeing those far from God come to know you personally. You're the hope of this world, Lord. And in you, we have everything that we need. And though this life may be enticing and alluring, and there's so many things that fight for our attention and fight for our affection, 
My prayer, Lord, is that we'll find in you everything that we need in life, that we'll be content and at peace, allowing you to do with us as you see fit and mold us and make us into who you've designed us to be. And may we experience life lived in the fullness of the purpose that you designed for us. I thank you, Lord God, for the local church. This is your only plan. You have no plan B for transforming the world, the gospel and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is carried by the local church. And I pray that the church will become stronger. I pray that the church will become bolder. I pray that the church will become more influential. That all across this community, churches would rise up in the strength of your spirit and the power of your word and declare the great truths and the hope of a loving God to a hurting world. And may we offer hope to the hopeless May we encourage the downtrodden and may we provide escape for those in distress. I'm so grateful, Lord, to be a part of your church that you promised that you would build. And I ask your favor on all those who are planted. Seasons come and seasons go and some seasons are drier than others and some are more fruitful than others. But through it all, we know that if we'll stay committed, if we'll stay planted and grounded and rooted deeply in your church, that you will do unimaginable things through us. And for that, I thank you. And I give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.